0: I'm Teffer, and I'm Eunice. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age.
1: This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'd like to take this time before we get started to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. This week, we are returning to one of my favorite authors, and I'm so excited about this, and we are reviewing Gloria Chow's third book, Rent a Boyfriend. We reviewed her first book, American Panda, way, way, way back at the beginning of the show. Bailey and I had the great... Pleasure of meeting her at Montreal Fest in 2018. I was so excited to read this. We missed her second book. We just kind of forgot to do it, but was very excited to be reviewing Rent-A-Boyfriend this week. Rent-A-Boyfriend is about uh, Jing or Chloe, as she's also called, who rents a boyfriend from a company to get her parents off her back about a guy they want her to date, uh, but this guy, Drew, is not everything she expected. He is, in fact, much more. And they fall in love. It is a super cute book. I love the cover. The cover is very, like, uh, uh, Maureen Goo a little bit. I like it. It reminds me of that. It's extremely fun. It's in an uh, alternate perspective, which is something I'm always a sucker for um, between Chloe and Drew. Uh, and I loved it very much. I finished it five minutes ago because that's... How I do? <laughs> um, how did you find it, Eunice?
1: Yeah, so my favorite part of this book was the double perspective um, with Chloe and Drew um, going back and forth. So you could get their both of their perspectives, and also I liked that it was th- because it was like the rent a boyfriend um, like theme. Um, she's renting the boyfriend for these specific holidays, and I liked that it followed it through. Um, I think it starts with Thanksgiving, Christmas, like, and then New Year's and Lunar New Year. So it was just like kind of going through this arc. Um, I really liked that flow of the story, like that structure um, that um, was brought to the plot.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up. Actually, I also noticed and really appreciated that, that we get it as kind of these windows of time when they're together and we don't really get. Um, time away from that. It's very much the story of their relationship growing. It being focused around holidays is really fun. And I especially found it really fun because we just passed Lunar New Year. So it was like the timing on this, which we didn't do deliberately, ended up working really, really nicely.
1: Yeah, I had no idea. Um, I actually read this I think closer to the new year, like, January 1st, so, like, after the holidays. So I also kind of got that feeling of, like, oh, my gosh, this could be a really cute, like, like holiday movie, like a Christmas movie, like, kind of thing. Like, um, a really cute, like, YA romance. But I would love to see it as, like, a movie. It would
0: be a great movie. It's, like, it's very... um... I found it was very visual. It was very staged, especially the scenes in the, like, big mansion. I kept mm. seeing, like, Crazy Rich Azen set on that. Like, it's very, very evocative visually. Um, and also, like, I think all of the wacky food stuff that happens would play very well on camera. I really appreciated, I feel like I haven't seen this before necessarily, the, like, second generation immigrant kid who's mom isn't necessarily the best cook like I feel like so often we just get like oh my mom is a fantastic cook which is like a narrative that's real um but like I really appreciated that her mom is really good at cooking Chinese food but then also does these horrible fusion things that don't work I love that so much
1: I yeah I think that's very real um (laughs) um when you like try to get to like mixing the flavors, but like it really just like doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I think like going off of that, I really liked that um, the characters were like had these like quirks too. Um, so I really liked that she um, Gloria just kind of delved into creating um, these characters, kind of like. In a movie, um, to kind of bring them alive on page, um, so it was very much like, and like she made us, she like really delved into like this this specific, like, neighborhood of Asian Americans, and it was very specific to this area, to this like town or whatever, um, and it was like a certain kind of uh, demographic. That wasn't just kind of like painting a broad um picture of like oh like you say asian american it means a lot of different things and this was a really good example of like how specific that culture could be um because like as you could see like in the book chloe's like this is the like culture that i grew like i grew up like it's like a micro culture almost like this is what i grew up in and this may not have been the asian american experience that um Drew, um, grew up in, but, like, you can see that that, like, really plays a role in kind of how each character sees themselves
0: yeah her her family is I'm uh, really glad you brought that up too her family is like very specifically like Taiwanese and not just Taiwanese but Taiwanese from this particular church and this particular community and the rules are really made by this particular family Mm -hmm. and I love seeing her talk to Drew and his experience is just quite different even though they have some similarities but you know he has this really positive view of the Asian American community that he grew up in that she just kind of can't quite wrap her head around Um, that's something that, that Gloria Chow played with very well in American Panda as well which I raved about like three years ago, I will continue to rave about. I really, I think it has slept on. It's a wonderful book that more people should read. I mean, not that it. Yes. Anyway, it should it should be everywhere. Um, <laughs> but like one of the things that she really engaged with in that book was her protagonist discovering that there were there are lots of different ways to be Asian American, and there are lots of different Asian American experiences. And um, and I think she definitely brought the skill that she has writing that experience to play in this book as well.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, like, and not even just, like, Asian American. It's, like, this was specifically Taiwanese American or Chinese American, right? Like, so, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. She did such a great job of making it both, like, really, also really comical in a way, where, <laughs> like, she, <laughs> um, some of the characters are kind of, like, just, like, really larger than life and, almost, like, kind of unbelievable, (laughs) but, like, in a way that it's, like, no, that's, I feel like that's real. I could have seen, like, that being a thing in this, like, um, community, in this specific community, so it, it was just brilliant.
0: I love, you're bringing this up, and I just have to think about her mom. I love the character of her mom. It is, she's written so well, and I found just Chow's willingness to write a character who has so many, so much cognitive dissonance built into her character and just contradicts her her thoughts and words with how she acts constantly you know like a really significant thing that comes up is she is obsessed with purity culture She's she's obsessed with virginity and purity and like another thing I love about this book is all the very frank vagina talk, there is so much frank vagina talk in this book but like She's obsessed with purity, but she's also like obsessed with buying her daughter sexy lingerie. One of the first interactions we see there is her mom being like, Why won't you wear thongs? Why won't you wear corsets? Like, why won't you wear sexy bras? And it's, it's like, to me, that's very real. Like, as a mom thing, as a like, at least like, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just telling on my mom, but like, I feel like that just like that, that, that tension between really wanting what's best for your kid and just not being able to tease out what's actually best for your kid from what's best for you socially and what you've been taught is supposed to be best for your kid and what you kind of believe was best for you even if your whole life contradicts that. It's a very bold and very honest portrayal of I think the experience of a lot of kids of their parents especially i'm gonna say like immigrant families like i'm just thinking of my own half immigrant family like I, i i think it's something that's very relatable in a lot of ways
1: yeah i have to say um for myself i was reading this book and i really did love the parts of like um chloe and drew's relationship developing but when it got to the parent stuff like I couldn't tell if I loved it or hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I had real problems with it um, while I was reading. Um, I think like being removed from it now, because I read this maybe like a month ago, okay. um, I can kind of like hear and hearing your like take on it, I kind of can see the fuller picture, but while reading it, it was very torturous because like there were so many things, like you said, that there were so real. Um, but I also think that, like my experience doesn't like completely line up to it, but they're like parts of it that I see. And like those are the parts that, like, for me, like, I would have push back a little more if that if that's what I was dealing with with my parents. Um, and I kind of saw, like, I think this is a completely, like, honest portrayal um, because it's hard when you're in... I, like, understand that it's hard when you're in that space and they're your parents um, and there's high expectations. There's also, like, just... It's a a cycle that's really hard to break out of. And for me, it was just, like... I was just like, oh, how could her parents do this? Or, like, how could Chloe, like, react this way? Um, Because there were just, like, times where I think... That obviously she was learning, but it really, like, um, the choices that she made, like, really hurt Drew. And I really couldn't get past that sometimes. um, Because I was just like, as, like, immigrant parents go, uh, mine are pretty um, on the, like, less strict side, I would say. (laughs) Like, my mom had really high expectations, um, but, like... There was a lot that I could get away with, <laughs> um, and she wasn't super helicoptery. So, like, there was a lot of freedom, even though there was a lot of like fear <laughs> at the same time. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah. So for me, when I feel like parents are really authoritative or like say things that like are contradictory, like that, it drives me crazy. Um, Partly because I do see some of that with my parents, but also because, like, I can see myself in that situation and I would have reacted, like, differently. Or it would have, like, I don't know. I would have reacted more strongly to it. So, yeah. So it was, like, a weird, like, I understand, but I don't understand. Um, There's something in here while I'm, like, processing this. But, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah. So, like, yeah, it was just, like... I guess like in a sense pretty triggering for me (laughs) while reading it and I like couldn't like I was like I don't know how I want this to end and like it was like that was the whole feeling throughout like I don't know how I want this relationship to be resolved like Mm -hmm. do I want Chloe to just be like like fuck you (laughs) and just like (laughs) like leave and like just tell her parents off or like did I want her to like um, have real conversations with her parents and try to um, because there were definitely times in the book where I think Chloe was trying to get through to her mom and like it just wasn't going through you know and like that for me was like really frustrating to see. Yeah I
0: think it is hard especially as grown adults who have done a lot of our own work it can be really difficult and frustrating to see Chloe kind of build this big complicated spun sugar web of lies um you know and it's just so clear that the whole thing could come toppling down at any moment and that it will be so much worse than if she was upfront with her parents but I also absolutely did that constantly as a teenager like that was very much my experience and i i mean not with boyfriends because i just wasn't supposed to date at all period um, but like coming from i think a more authoritative household um and a more helicoptery kind of household um and also like because i have a lot of siblings and we all grew up and i see everybody react differently to that relationship mm-hmm. i found it easier i found it pretty easy to believe her reactions even though they're not necessarily how I would always react just because I can be like oh yeah but like this sibling of mine would do that so like I can get that but it's it's really like I really enjoyed seeing her go through the process of getting to the point where she goes okay well am I gonna lie to my parents for my entire life Mm -hmm. and like acknowledging that like like people do that you can do that but if you do that you need to have your parents really at arm's length like the people I know who do that just don't see their parents they see their parents Mm -hmm. once a year and their parents have no knowledge of their life and that's that's like how you have to do it um and she kind of has to go through this process of okay do I want to just not see my parents and like I feel like she kind of starts in that place She starts from this, okay, I'm going to keep my life separate and they don't ever need to know place. And then she kind of comes to a new place that I do think works better for her, like, without being the best choice for everybody.
1: Yeah, I like what you said about, like, if you're gonna, like, build up lives like that, like, usually you're not seeing your parents, like, for every holiday. Like, you're not going home and, like, you're not, you know, and... Yeah, I th- maybe it is just like the like can't come to face with this like what one, one thing like which is like this relationship, right? And like yeah, I don't know. I just like don't think that I've ever really carried on like <laughs> a whole story. Like one one thing is just like I can't lie. Um, <laughs> so like anyone would see through it in a hot second. Um, and, like, with my parents, exactly, like, as close as I am to them and, like, how much I see them, like, I would never be able to keep up, like, a facade like that. Like, it would just kill me. Um, but I think it's just, like, for me also, I think it was the fact that it was really unfair to Drew, mm-hmm. like, because he was being really patient and, like trying to not that he was without fault too but I think that like in this case um I think she she did have a lot of things that she was figuring out and she was kind of dragging him through it as well and I just didn't think that that was fair even though it's realistic I just like didn't think it was fair to him to do that. I really
0: agree with that. And I think we see that very clearly in the um, in the New Year's Eve scene, when he also like kind of sets a boundary for himself. And and it's really clear in that scene that it's not fair. And um, that is like that scene was really uncomfortable for me because that's a position I've been in. I've been in a, like, yeah, I'm going to bring you to this, but we can't tell anybody we're together, and you have to stop acting like we're together, and, like, <laughs> um, but, like, I want you to meet these people, but, like, not as who you, were. and it's, like, it's really uncomfortable, it feels icky, it's not a kind thing to do. Um, I agree, I sort of expected, like, when they reconnect, kind of, so they, like, they have a falling out. They don't see each other for a little while. And when they reconnected, I really expected Drew to maybe put up a little bit more of a fuss. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also maybe just part of his really open, generous character that he's hes not someone who holds grudges. And I like that about his character because I think it makes his estrangement from his parents a lot more profound. That he is like clearly a generous, forgiving, loving person who really really wants to be connected to the people he loves. I really like that Gloria Chow does not make excuses for the parents she writes ever and like that that comes up when um Chloe talks to her so like her parents have been trying to get her together with this guy who is super gross just because his family is rich and that I was so bewildered by that storyline for, like, such a long time. And I do feel like by the end of the book, I kind of understood where her parents were coming from. And it was largely just that her parents really should not have been parents. Um, But, like, (laughs) but I really liked the point where where Hongbo's mom tries to be, like, well, it's your parents' fault that you turned out this way. And she's like, "Oh, really? So is it your fault that Hong Bao like turned out this way?" And and it's like this beautiful own. Um I really love that all the terrible parents who do terrible things to their kids are clearly terrible. Like even her yeah. parents who get a lot of generosity and get a lot of compassion, it's still really clear and like I'm thinking of this scene where her mom tries to talk to her about sex and it's just like, "Oh my god." It's just, I mean, it's, it's, she's kind of like, well, do I need to tell my mom about sex, but I don't want to, and I don't even want to Mm -hmm. think about my dad, and like, (laughs) this is really upsetting. Um, It's just so clear that her parents know next to nothing about parenting. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to talk about, because I think this is something that's an important part of the book that maybe doesn't factor into either of our personal experiences, is the role money plays, Uh, in this family. And like, her family isn't super rich, but like, compared to my family growing up, I think probably compared to your family growing up, because we were both pastor's kids, her family is super rich. And um, a big part of the story is parents trying to control their kids with money. And I think that is kind of the piece of the puzzle that explains why, in part, she is so afraid of her parents because for her her parents are really what is between her and like what she sees as destitution because she doesn't have a sense of a like shall we say non-comfortable living like she hasn't ever struggled financially and so the idea like even the idea of student debt is horrifying to her whereas I think for people in maybe our class bracket it's just kind of something you accept and then fold into your life as a fact you know um, yeah and I think like that is the piece that makes her parents obsession with Hongbo makes sense because her parents I get the sense only experienced love as money and they think the way to love your kids is to pay for them to go to school and then make sure that they marry someone rich and that's so fucked up but like (laughs) I do believe that there are a lot of people who uh operate on that assumption and it's really bad for you much as I think money can bring a lot of comfort and joy (laughs) um, it it can't be the only source
1: yeah, no, I'm glad uh, you pointed that out because that is true. That I think that is a big driving factor. Um, and I think they kind of paint it as more of, like, kind of a security thing, which I think, like, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, especially just... Yeah, it just makes sense with what her parents went through when uh, they came here um, and just trying to... And because they landed in a more kind of comfortable position when they got here i'm sure like a lot of it what they wanted for um chloe is that like um financial security um and that being really important um and that does cloud your (laughs) judgment of like what things are really important in life um and like that's definitely the case for a lot of immigrant Um, families and children who are trying to like kind of break out of um, what their parents expect from them and want from them and that is something that like unfortunately like parents hold over their children's heads
0: yeah in a big way I think for me the way I like make sense of the money thing which wasn't a factor in my childhood As I think about like I think the status thing for me growing up was like religious status right it was like being the most religious and the most pure and the best Christian and also a little bit of academic status in my family because my parents mm-hmm. were very academic so like thinking of it that way and kind of taking it and saying okay like in this family money is the foil for like being the good Christian family I'm like oh yes that's a very powerful thing like that's a very powerful Mm -hmm. thing that drove a lot of my behavior a lot of my parents behavior and like her mom especially is not just like see I think her dad I think is genuinely worried about her being provided for her mom I think is much more worried about her own status and like Mm. Chloe really really takes that and makes it I think has a very compassionate view of it and is like oh yeah my mom's social circle which sucks and I hate it but like her social circle is her Bible study and is these people and she <laughs> needs to be included and like on the one hand that's a very compassionate look from from Chloe and on the other hand I'm like well your mom could find some new damn friends like mm-hmm. maybe ones who don't call her daughter a slut like like maybe possibly your mom could join a book club like like maybe possibly you know I'm sure there are some other Taiwanese American people in the neighborhood if she wants to stay within a shared culture I just feel like she could find some friends who didn't call her daughter a slut because like if somebody called my daughter a slut in a like mean way like beyond that that's not my business but if somebody was a dick to my child i would be like fine fuck you i don't want to hang out with you anymore and personally i think that is the way good parents respond (laughs) to people being dicks to their children
1: (laughs) but i think that's a testament of how powerful these like immigrant enclaves are though right like it's really hard to like and i think you can really tell in the book how hard it is um it, it it really is a social hierarchy um and like once you're in it you kind of have to save face and like kind of follow yeah. these rules um that are set and they're ridiculous but like that's kind of how you have friends how you have a community how Chloe's dad gets um like business you yeah. know like that really is like a part of kind of how these families get their success in a way yeah. too um so I think it's just like yeah like it's it is really tough and I think um that's kind of what immigrant children like see about the communities that their parents grow like um like bring them up in yeah and like and then you do really have to contest with the fact that like hey, like, this is not, like, what I want my experience to be, yeah. um, and, like, bringing your parents out of it, that's even harder, right, because, like, that was their support system, that's how they kind of, like, lived their life here,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, like, it's definitely harder for them to, I think, to make friends outside of that bubble, because, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah like who are they gonna be friends with I mean like they're probably people who have like you know been kicked out of that community like you could form another like bubble or whatever but yeah but I think it's really like for uh, yeah I think it's easier for the child kind of growing up in that to choose to not be a part of that anymore um just because like when you grow up in the States, it's very different because you're exposed to so many different cultures and so many different, like, options Yeah, that, like, you're making a life for yourself. Um, but, like, for the parents, I think it's just so much harder once they've kind of landed and settled and just, like, have made their home in that community, um, no matter how, like, abusive or wrong or, like, you know, it is, um... But yeah, like I think that's a problem in a lot of like like smaller immigrant communities where like you kind of have to stick with with your own in yeah. a way to like survive. Um, but it does kind of create like weird like social rules um, yeah. and regulations that like you kind of are part of to um, to kind of thrive in the in this country.
0: I did really appreciate that by the end of the book there are starting to be little cracks in her parents' kind of strict adherence to the social order. And I I sort of like to imagine that maybe they're going to take over and be the new dons of their church. But I think I you know, I'm thinking about this, and I think for me the thing is every time I read a young adult book, the parents seem a little bit younger. And I was just thinking about with this book. I mean, we don't know how old her mom was when when she had Chloe. But my guess is her mom is like not much more than 50 with a 19-year-old daughter. And she's probably a little younger than that, like and and I just I don't know. I have more trouble with being like, oh, this is an old person set in their ways. <laughs> when we're talking about somebody who's not 50 yet you know like it's just it gets harder for me to make these excuses and I know I know that a lot of this is like generational cultural like my parents did not do the same things that me and my siblings are doing with their kids my parents parents did not do the same things with them like like generations are different and insular communities are insular communities And that like this is something that I see with other friends who have grown up in insular communities, whether that's like immigrant communities or religious communities and have kind of broken off and do their own way is that the parents don't. And I just I have so much trouble with that. Like personally, as a parent, I have a lot of trouble with that because I feel like, as stated earlier, if somebody is a dick to your child, (laughs) you should not hang out with them anymore. (laughs) And, like, to me, as a parent, that's extremely obvious. But I know that, like, the idea of your children embarrassing you or, like, bringing shame to you is, like, it's such a big fear for so many people. And it's absolutely a fear that I was raised with, like, centrally in my home. It's just a big... It's a That's what I struggle with. That's the big thing that I have trouble with. (laughs) I don't know. A thing I always say to my kid is... I mean for you know specific reasons but what I always say to my kid is you're not responsible for my comfort you should be like nice you should be polite but it's not your job to make me feel comfortable (laughs) and like I feel like anybody who's been pregnant should know that it's not your kid's job to make you comfortable because like (laughs) Jesus do they ever make you uncomfortable
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean, yeah, I think a lot of it is definitely a cultural, like, and generational thing where it's, like, you, like, I don't think, like, any of these parents are, like, thinking that at all. (laughs) Not that it makes a right or wrong or, you know, like, um, it's more just, like, it's very embedded into the culture, um. And like,
0: yep. I was just going to say it's interesting because it used to be something that I didn't blink twice at, you know, like reading mm-hmm. books like 10 years ago. I'd just be like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that parents do. And now I just get so pissed. <laughs> I get so
1: mad about it. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Like, I was like, they're critiquable, you know, mm-hmm. like they're yeah. just as critiquable as the main, like, why, like the young adult in the in the book, right? Yeah. Um, they're not... Uh, yeah, they don't get a pass, um,
0: and it's sure. really funny like it's not it's not just bleak family trauma porn, it's really funny the way her parents are depicted and the way their idiosyncrasies are shown and the way their cognitive dissonances are written like it's it's written humorously and with a lot of love, and I think that combination of like humor, love, and also just completely unflinching honesty is what I find so special about Gloria Chow's writing. I think she she balances that just beautifully. And I know quite a lot of that comes from, you know, her borrowing on her own experience and, and writing a community she knows well. But I think she does such a good job writing a family the way it feels to observe your own family.
1: Yeah, because it is, like, humorous at times, even though, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's abusive. It's also just, like, comical. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's life, right? And that's
0: just, like, I feel like especially, like, I don't know if you're in the same part in, in point in your life, but I feel like kind of towards the end of my 20s, going into my 30s, a lot of my friends have gone through the, like, angry at and setting themselves apart from their family stage and gone into the sort of just like eh they are who they are and I have my boundaries about it stage and like I feel like this book is very much written from that stage Mm -hmm. (laughs) of just like yep I know what I can't change I know what I can change I can laugh at the stuff that's funny and not excuse the stuff that's awful
1: yeah and yeah and also how important is it to have a book that portrays that so that like people know that that's like an option or like that's where you are like getting to yeah um other than like this really like space before that work could be very contentious and like really yeah really like traumatic but like when you kind of like, move away from that, you can kind of see, like, how you can create those boundaries for yourself, and that you're not, you don't necessarily have to, like, be completely separated from your parents, um, you can, that, like, the option, there is an option to kind of live those, like, separate, like, parallel lives, but have, like, those boundaries that are, um, healthy, um, for you
0: yeah exactly. a hundred percent. um the last thing that I kind of want to touch on in that is one thing she also does that I really like is several times she touches on the ways that it would be so much worse if Chloe were not straight if Chloe were actually pregnant instead of pretending to be pregnant, you know mm-hmm. like there are there are all these little sort of nudges. Where she just reminds us like the only reason Chloe has this narrative is because (laughs) she is straight and she is non-confrontational and she has a certain kind of calm about her Mm -hmm. and she just has all these little possibilities open where it could be much worse. Because I was thinking about that and I was thinking it would be nice to see a book written about a queer character that has the same sort of attitude Mm-hmm. but then i thought about it and i mean i think like riksana ali by by sabina khan actually does that very well mm. but like i don't think that story exists with chloe's parents i i think i think that would be a bridge too far i i don't think they could deal at least not yeah. her mom her dad maybe her dad we get like much less information about <laughs>
1: um, yeah um i think yeah i don't really know exactly what her dad kind of thinks about her kind of doing because i can see that like in one way like because like part the part of his story is like that is a bigger emphasis um like without giving too much away like that is that takes over more like precedent yeah. over um kind of like what he feels about like the way that chloe is acting and so i don't know if we really got so much of and also just I think because her relationship with her dad is just very different to her relationship with her mom um so I don't know if that's true about her dad but yeah I think that's like two things that like they would have to get over (laughs)
0: like their
1: parents would have to get over except for like besides the one thing that they have to get over um You know, like, so I think, yeah, it would, I think it'd be really hard, it'd be even harder to kind of explain that to parent, her parents, probably, and they would, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like, her mom does kind of have a way of, like, sweeping things under the rug, too. So, like, in a way, it wouldn't be, like, full, it would definitely not be, like, fully accepting, but it could be, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, they could maybe live, like, amicably, Yeah. in the (laughs) yeah but you're yeah you're right I think that um I think there there would be more to the story if that were the case
0: yeah yeah I think um the thing with like the difference between her dad and her mom is that her parents have very strict gender roles kind of in place and her dad's job is seems like it is just to provide financially, right? Like, her dad is just supposed to make them comfortable. Her Mm -hmm. mom's idea of an ideal marriage, as she says it, is that your husband will just leave you alone and you enjoy the money. Um, And, like, her mom is the hands-on one who's like, this is how you get into that position where you have a husband who's rich and will leave you alone, Um, which is devastating, really, Mm -hmm. Like, it's so sad, <laughs> but, like, you you see a very different relationship because when that's the attitude you have, you end up, like, really damaging the relationships of kids with their fathers because you kind of say this is yeah the education is sort of the mom's job and the provision is the dad's job and and never the twain shall meet um which is sad because i do get the sense with her parents that her dad is maybe a little more generous because he has been able to be because he has been Mm -hmm. permitted to be and he hasn't had the same sexist expectations placed on him that her mom has yeah yeah so i mean overall good good book lots to talk about there and fun
1: yeah. I mean, I want to go back to the yeah. to the beginning where we said, like, this could be a movie. Yeah. Um, I think it just has all the elements of, like, we didn't talk too much about, like, their developing relationship, um, but it's just, like, the different, like, benchmarks. Like, it just was, it was really fun to see that developing and, like, the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. Like, you could tell it was, like, this, like, weird, like, awkward, like, um, like, because, like, it's, the trope is fake dating. Yeah, it's it's like a pretty (laughs) woman. And it's, like. Um, a little bit forced proximity too, where it's like you're there and like she's like, oh, actually, I do like it. Um, and that's always fun to see. And I thought like yeah. their their relationship, I think, is really playful too. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: so. another place where I think the um the timeline of how it was told worked really well in the in in the story's favor, because their relationship is long distance when they're not on holidays. Um, And it was it was really kind of fun to see that play between like proximity when we can't actually touch and like distance where when we can be emotionally intimate, but not physically. That was a Mm -hmm. very fun little like that's a costume drama like trope. That's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's like the yearning love letters. But then we have to sit six feet apart. (laughs) Kind of like, you know, (laughs) current day dating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback feedback is what i always say if you want to feed a buck if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi send us an email at the app podcast at gmail.com
1: follow us on twitter at yeah podcast and individually i'm at Tuffer bear and you can find me on instagram at the Unicorn Reads a Book. That's unicorn with an E.
0: If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, if you can imagine that, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shout-outs, guest appearances, and more. Caddy and I have a little plan in the bag that you'll want to be on Patreon to find. Head to patreon.com slash yeahpodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Rashi, Erica Stutchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan
1: Jane, Emily Patton, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch! hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public.
0: You can also support us for free, as always, by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Please do that if you haven't, um, especially a review that goes a long way for getting us new listeners. Subscribing on Spotify, please also do that. And by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe you have a Taiwanese-American friend who would want to read it. Maybe you just have a friend who likes books. What I meant to say there was like the costume drama aspect, but what came out was someone who likes books. This is what happens when we record
1: on Friday night. (laughs) Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Group as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com.
0: This episode was produced by somebody named Tefera Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find about, you can find about, you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! Bye!
1: Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join
0: me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. Previous guests have included a Reiki healer, the heir to the Redenbacher popcorn throne, the person definitely not responsible for the murder hornet outbreak, and Jack Nicholson. Comes out Mondays, early in the morning. Check it out. You might laugh.